0: Let's turn in scripture this morning to the gospel according to John chapter 15. And we'll read the ver- first 17 verses John 15, verses 1 through 17. These are the words of Christ to his disciples around the time of the Last Supper just prior to his capture and crucifixion. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends." Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go. Whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father, in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. We read the word of God thus far, and now direct our attention, especially to verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. words of our text, beloved, are part of the final recorded speech of our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. The disciples were troubled at this time, and the disciples were troubled because they knew their Lord, on account of the fact that he had told them, was going to be betrayed and would be departing from them. And our Lord Jesus Christ, fully aware of that, emphasizes to them in this passage his great love for them. Speaking of that love repeatedly, speaking of that love throughout this passage of Scripture in John chapter 15, love was behind everything that he said, to them. Love stood behind his admonitions to them, and love stood behind his instruction to them, the teaching that he gave. And in the midst of that, he also pointed out that that there was one great deed that he must still do, as an evidence of and as motivated by his love for them, and his love for all who are his. He would do that very soon. And that is, as recorded in our text, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Christ was a compassionate Savior to his disciples, as he is to us, what better for them and what better for us than to be reminded of the love of Christ and to be assured of that love. That's something that we need, and that's something that we always need, and that's something that we especially need on account of the knowledge of sin. Through self-examination, as we have been led by the Spirit to do that in preparation for the Lord's Supper, we realize that we come into God's house this morning as sinners. We realize that we come to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper to partake of that sacrament as sinners. It's extremely important for us, then, to be told and to be assured by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as he does in the words of our text, that he loves us, and that this is the great evidence of his love, he laid down his own life for us. So he speaks that word to us through the words of our text, but he also speaks that word to us this morning through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, a vivid picture to us of the truth of our text and a means of grace, a means of grace to assure us of his love, and a means of grace to strengthen our faith. Consider then the greatest love of all. And notice three things concerning that, the great love of Jesus, the objects of his love, and the blessing of that love. The point of our text, beloved, is to set before us This truth, this fact, there is no greater love than the love of Jesus Christ for us. We do in life experience and know the love of others, and we would say that sometimes the love of others for us is indeed great love. The love of a friend, the love of a parent, the love of a child the love of a spouse, the love of a fellow believer. They tell you of their love, and they show it. They demonstrate that love to you through acts of kindness and through providing help and through giving gifts and through giving of themselves and simply through being there for you. And that can be a great love, a love that removes sadness, a love that lifts you up, a love that enables you to go on in the battles of life. Very encouraging. But as great as the love of someone else is for you, no one's love compares to the love of Jesus Christ. Anyone else's love The text is telling us anyone else's love is always a lesser love. Even of the person who loves you the most in this life. No one can love you as much as Jesus Christ does. There is no greater love than the love of Christ. His love for us is the greatest love of all. Why is that? Why is His love the greatest love? He tells us that Himself. His love is the greatest love because His love is this a love in which and according to which and motivated by which he laid down his life for us. The greatest love because his love is a sacrificial love. He sacrificed himself. The greatest love because his love is a giving love. He gave himself to us. His love the greatest love, because he died for us. He died instead of us. He died instead of us so that we would not have to die the death that he died. No one else has ever done that for us. No one else ever will. He, the Son of God, did. That's truly great love. And When you think of Christ laying down his life for us, then you realize he did that in many different ways. First of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, laid down his life for us by setting aside his heavenly life. He became a man. He took upon himself our flesh. He lived in this world with us. And he set aside and he put behind him the life of perfection and bliss in heaven. And then he laid down his life for us by living the life that he lived on this earth, a life of suffering and not just suffering externally, not just suffering that was affliction, the afflictions of life, the ordinary trials and burdens of earthly life, but a suffering every day that was an account of our sin on him. A life of suffering because he was bearing the wrath of God. A life of suffering in which he was being punished, daily for our sins. That was part of him laying down his life for us. And then, at the end of that earthly life, he laid down his life for us once and for all. He died. He died on the cross. He died the accursed death. He died a death that involved terrible suffering for him, an awful and a painful way for him to die. His body was broken, and his blood was shed on a cross. That was not simply, not merely, physical dying, physical laying laying down of his life. It was not simply that his physical body was broken and his physical blood was shed, but you understand he laid down his life, he died by being pierced in his soul by the wrath of God upon him. His death, his laying down of his life, involved subjecting himself to a God whose anger had to be poured out against sin. He laid down his life, he died a death that involved facing the fires of hell from the hands of God. He actively put himself face to face with the eternal wrath and punishment of a righteous God against the sins of the elect. And he confronted that, and he dealt with that, and he confronted and dealt with the worst possible thing in all of that, namely being forsaken by God his Father. It was dreadful. It was very terrible for him. And it is beyond our comprehension to know what that all meant for him as he laid down his life and died on the cross. But when he did that, as our text points out too, he did it, willingly. He did it willingly. Notice that in the words of a text. Here is the greatest love that a man lay down his life. That is, that a man lay down his own life. John 10 verse 18 confirms that where Christ said, no man taketh my life from from me I lay it down of myself. No one crucified Christ. No one laid down or put down the life of Christ. No one took the life of Christ away from him against his will. Not God, his Father in heaven, and not wicked men, and not Satan. Christ went willingly. He gave himself over to all that awful suffering and pain and death. And that's very significant for us. Namely, that he did it willingly. We need to know if we are going to be assured of the love of Christ, we need to know that he did it willingly. If you take an example from earthly life, if your spouse makes sacrifices for you, or if your parent does some good things for you only because they are forced or someone tells them to do it, then you would say, Does he, does she really love me? The same is true with Christ. If Christ did not do this willingly, if Christ did it because someone made him do it, someone forced him to do it, we would say, does he really love us? And so he puts before us that fact I lay my life down of myself. I myself did this. I willingly laid down my life. And that establishes beyond any doubt the greatness of the love of Christ for us. There is no greater love. No one has ever loved you, and no one now in life loves you, and no one will ever love you in the future as much as the Lord Jesus Christ did and does. The greatest love of all. And the text says that he loved and he laid down his life for his friends. That's an astounding statement because those for whom the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life were sinners. Romans 5 verse 8 states that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when the scripture says that we were yet sinners when Christ died for us, then scripture is saying that from our perspective, from our viewpoint, as regards our attitude toward the Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us, we were not his friends. We were his enemies. On our part, we were not naturally friends of Christ nor naturally friendly toward him. We were sinners. And sinners are those who by nature hate God and his Christ. Sinners are those who consider Satan to be their friend and not God to be their friend. But Christ laid down his life for us while we were yet sinners. While we are those who by nature did not love him while we were those who were by nature, as regards our attitude toward him, his enemies. And yet the text says he laid down his life for his friends. His friends. And that's because although from our perspective we were enemies, from his perspective, we were friends, and that's what the text is referring to. We always were his friends. We always were the objects of his love. We were those loved by him from eternity. That's why he came to earth. That's why he went to the cross, because He eternally loved us. We were the eternal objects of his love as those chosen in him and given by the Father to him. And so Christ did not lay down his life so we could be his friends. He laid down his life for us because we were his friends. He did not lay down his life for us to make us people that he would now begin to love, but he laid down his life for us because he already loved us. He laid down his life for us because in his eyes and in the eyes of God we were, as those elected from all eternity in him, his eternal friends. Friends from eternity friends of God and friends of the Son of God, his covenant people. And that certainly emphasizes and shows once again the wonder of the love of Christ for us. The wonder of it is he loved those who did not deserve his love. He loved those who were of themselves totally depraved sinners. He loved those who were of themselves unlovable, unlovable. We did not love him first. We wanted nothing to do with him by nature. It's where the love of Christ is so different from our love because the love of Christ for us was an unconditional love. When it comes to our love and we face the question whom do we usually love we say we love those who are lovable we love those who love us we love those who are good and kind to us. And we might even say if someone doesn't love me why should I love him or her? And we usually don't show love to that person. Our love is so often conditional, but not the love of Christ. He loved those who despised him by nature, and he loved those who therefore did not deserve his love at all. He didn't have to love us, but he still did. Is there any love that is greater than the love of Christ? And The text points out, too, that his purpose is to bless us. He did this for his friends. He did this for the benefit of his friends. He did this for our sakes. He laid down his life so that we might be blessed by what he did. And we are. The obvious blessing is that on account of his great love, we have and we receive the blessing of the forgiveness of our sin, because his laying down his life was a sacrifice for our sin, a bearing of the wrath of God for our sin. that every sin that you are aware of now, every sin that you have done in this past week, every sin that you have committed even this morning, has been covered and is is forgiven through the sacrifice of Christ. And every sin that you've committed in the past, every sin that you committed in your youth has been paid for, covered, and is forgiven through the blood of Christ in the way of confession and repentance. And every sin that has come to mind in this past week through self-examination has also been paid for, covered, and is forgiven by him with a forgiveness that can be enjoyed, with the joy of salvation that springs up in our hearts as we are led by the Spirit to repent and to confess our sins unto Him. But we're also blessed with the blessing of life. That's implied by the text, too. Because He laid down his life. Our lives do not have to be laid down. That is, our lives do not have to be punished by God. We do not have to be cursed by God. We do not have to be put to death eternally by God with the judgment of hell for our sake. The wages of sin is death. but The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And therefore, we don't have to be put to death eternally for our sin. We don't have to die the accursed death. We don't have to face the wrath of God. We don't have to be forsaken by God because Christ did it for us. His is the greatest love and we receive the greatest blessings and if we are ever unsure about his love, as we can be sometimes, unsure about his love because of our great sins and wonder can he love a sinner like me, or unsure about his love because of the many troubles that he sends upon us, and and we might say, does he really love me? (coughs) Then this word of God calls for our attention, a word for us to consider, a word for us to ponder, a word for us to meditate on. What further proof do we need of the love of Christ if he was willing to lay down his life for us? May the Spirit then, by means of this word, and now too through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, assure assure us of his great love, removing doubt, and confirming in your heart that you are one of his friends and that he laid down his life for you personally. May our faith and trust in him be strengthened. Amen. Let's turn now to the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper that's found in the back of the Psalter you find that form.